listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I was praying in the Holy Ghost. And as I was praying in the Holy Spirit, um, the Lord dealt with me about doing this series that we're going to start this week on total victory over discouragement, anxiety, and heaviness. And so I'm going to take this whole week, today through Friday, and I'm going to show you how to have total victory because this is one of the biggest problems. This is one of the biggest problems that people deal with in 2023. Um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but um, now antidepressants as a prescribed medication have surpassed heart medication as the number one prescribed medication in the United States of America. In fact, it's probably creeping towards one in three, but last I checked, one in four people in this nation take antidepressants just to get through the day. And so you can clearly see, we're not ignorant of uh, the devil's plans and his devices, the Bible says. We know what he's trying to do, but we have victory through the Holy Ghost. But there are things that the Bible teaches that we must do to access total victory in those areas. And by the way, if you're just jumping on, welcome. Uh, Take a minute to share it. And um, if you could take me down to the bottom so I can see the latest Uh, Nancy was first. Nancy in Denmark was so quick this morning. I actually got a text from my friend, uh, Zach Wilson. He was like sending me uh, gifts from Lord of the Rings about how I'm late. I'm already late on the broadcast. Um, But I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. Um, Oh, yeah. Brandon Risher says, have you ever felt like attacks of anxiety or any of that stuff come upon you? Listen, just because I'm a preacher doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't try to attack me. I like what Brother Hagin said one time, you know, because he was the same. People would ask him the same question, you know, have you ever dealt with that worry and anxiety and fear? And Brother Hagin said, oh man, he said, I've passed up marvelous opportunities to worry. (laughs) I've passed up marvelous opportunities to worry. And so uh, just because you're a preacher, uh, Brandon, doesn't mean the enemy doesn't try to attack you with thoughts, attacks against your mind. Everybody deals with that. Everybody has to gain victory over the devil for themselves. That's the good news. You've got power over the devil. And um, I'm going to take this week, Monday through Friday, and we're going to go through the Word of God. I'm going to show you. And then we'll, we'll put all these videos up in a playlist on YouTube. You can go back and watch them. They'll be on the podcast. But I want to show you how to walk in total victory. You know, it's, it's not enough to just have a, a partial victory or, you know, every once in a while you get some relief. No, you're not called to go from uh, attack to attack, defeat to defeat. You're called to walk in total victory. That's the portion of the child of God. And so that's why we're going to, that's why we're going to cover it. After I announced this morning that we were covering Uh, covering this topic, I got messages back from people almost immediately saying, this is such a timely word. This is what happened the last time, uh, what, a week and a a half ago that we did a series. 
And the same thing happened. People wrote in and said, man, this is exactly what I'm dealing with. And I'm so glad you're doing the series. Same thing's happening today. And um, people are saying, you know, this, I need this word. People are already in the comments saying it right now. Uh, There's areas that I've been discouraged in. I need this. But yes, we are going to see victory in Jesus' name. So share the broadcast. People need this teaching. They need this teaching. I want to show you why here at the very beginning uh, that we, we need total victory. Let me show you why we do. And if, the first thing I want to show you is in Matthew chapter 13. And if you've studied this before, you know this is the parable of the sower. And welcome to everybody that's still jumping on. You know, I, I realize now that I, I'm a pastor, you have like three different levels of people. You got the people at your church that show up early looking for a seat. You've got another level of people at church that show up right on time. And then you've got another people, a level of people that basically wander in about 35 to 40 minutes late. Three different levels of people. And I think it's probably the same on the broadcast. Um, but welcome to the early people, the on-time people, and the late people. Matthew 13, this is the parable of the sower. And uh, Jesus tells this parable, but the disciples don't fully understand what he's talking about. So he has to explain himself. And uh, if you've read it, Matthew 13, it starts in verse 3. He told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky soil, where they didn't have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since others had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, the disciples didn't understand. And so he had to explain to them um, what this particular parable meant. And this is what he said. And I want to cover a very specific portion of the ground. He talked about four types of ground. I want to cover a very specific portion first. And that is this. Verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, get this now, this is the one or the person who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and it proves unfruitful. So there it is right there. And um, that's not scrolling for some reason. I don't know why. Um, There it is. That's the first thing I wanted to show you is that Jesus was very plain that this is an issue the devil uses to try to keep you and me from receiving revelation of God's word and also on top of that, uh, not just revelation, but according to Jesus, fruit production, right? That the word produces fruit in your life. And so this is exactly why, this is one of the many reasons why we have got to have total victory over the cares of this world, the heaviness, the anxiety, the discouragement that the devil uses to try to keep you. Why? Because God's word is, is performance fuel for increase. I want you to put that in the comments from the very beginning of this broadcast today. I've told you this before, and it's still one of the most powerful things you can understand. God's word is the performance fuel for increase. 
God's word is the performance fuel for increase. That's the fuel God uses to take us into overwhelming success, victory, joy, everything comes from the word. And um, notice even the Holy Spirit, he's not going to operate independently of the word of God. He works with the word of God, right? So God's word is the performance fuel for increase. Amen. And as you're popping that in, let me mention something else quickly. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, and I'll quote it to you, Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. You see that? A joyful heart is good medicine. A crushed spirit dries up the bones. So the enemy wants you walking around with a crushed spirit. What's up, Griffin? The enemy wants you, hey, Mike Laval, walking around with a crushed spirit. Why? It chokes the life out of you. And then remember what Nehemiah said. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So, so get this today, and this is going to come upon you. This is an impartation week, by the way. This is an impartation week. If you, if you don't understand what I'm doing, I'm imparting to you uh, through the teaching of the word. And as we pray, I'm going to pray for you too. And you're going to receive an impartation of joy. You're going to receive an impartation of peace. You're going to receive an impartation of encouragement. You're going to be stirred up in your spirit. I mean, you're going to finish this week feeling like you can do anything because the gift of faith is going to come upon you. As I'm teaching, as I'm preaching, as I'm praying for you, I'm asking the Lord, let there be an impartation of the gift of faith. You'll get to this. I mean, you might finish today and feel like, my God, I, there's, I can do anything. Anything the Lord told me to, there's nothing. I can't fail. I can't fail. Hallelujah. In fact, just write it in the comments right off the bat. I can't fail. You can't fail in your purpose. Hallelujah. I can't fail. So we know this. The joy of the Lord's our strength. Nehemiah said that. We have it in, in the book of Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord. So why? Now you, your eyes are opened, right? Now your eyes are opened. Oh, I see why the devil is doing what he's doing. I see why he's trying so hard to come at my encouragement, to come at my joy, to come at my peace. Oh, I see now because he knows it will disrupt the flow of God's word in my life. It'll disrupt the flow of God's word in my life. What else? It'll steal my strength and it'll choke the life force out of any person who surrenders their uh, encouragement, joy, and peace. And so I'm going to impart this to you this week. And I believe this is one of the main purposes of my ministry in life is to impart the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, supernatural encouragement by the gift of faith. And you're going to receive it. You're going to receive it. And so each day we're going to deal with something practical that we need to do to keep us in this place of total encouragement, total joy, total peace. Amen. And today, I want to deal with uh, this powerful aspect of how prayer works to release that gift of faith into your spirit and that it brings total protection from these traps and tricks that the devil tries to throw at you and brings you into a place of 
uh, overwhelming encouragement, joy, and peace. So number one today, if you want to put it in the comments, put it in your notes. Today we're dealing with the power of prayer. The power of prayer. And I want to show you how that functions. And uh, so the first place I want to take you is, um, let's go over to Philippians chapter 4. The power of prayer. Glory to God. Um, Philippians chapter 4 opens our eyes. It really does. Um, There are, as Paul is finishing this letter to the Philippian church, he starts giving commands, starts giving commands to the Christians. These are not suggestions. You know, Paul is giving, he's the, the, the head of these churches ultimately as the apostle. And when he opens his letters, um, he always identifies himself to let them know he's an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has set him apart. God's called him for this purpose. And now he's giving them commands as he finishes the letter. And notice starting in verse four, Philippians 4, 4, he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. That's not a suggestion. That's him commanding the church, you know, commanding them. Always rejoice in the Lord, always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. That's how he wrote it. Letting them know how vital and important that was. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say again, rejoice. The fact that he reiterated that shows you how powerful it is and important. He sa- and, then, and then look at this. Let your reasonableness, one translation would say gentleness, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now look at verse six, another command. Do not be anxious about anything. Now that's, that's a blanket statement. That's a blanket statement to the believer. Do not be anxious about anything. Now let me stop right there. It is a command for you and for me to not be anxious. We don't have the luxury of being anxious, which is not truly a luxury, but you understand what I mean by that phrase. You don't have the right. I don't have the right to be anxious. I don't have the right. I've been commanded. Uh, Let's keep something in mind. Paul didn't just choose to write this, right? The Bible tells us why Paul wrote it. You see that? The reason why is because the Holy Spirit guided him guided him. See, and so anything written in the Bible is not a word from that author. It's a word from the Holy ghost. That's what it is. And so he's commanding us by the Holy ghost. Do not be anxious about anything. That's a command. So to, to rebel against that, think about it (laughs) to rebel against that is really to rebel against a command from the Holy Ghost. Woo, that's heavy. Tiff, get Brandon out of here. I'm tired of seeing his face in the comments. Trying to scam people out of their money while throwing insults around? That doesn't even make sense. Like trying to get people to to give you money while also throwing insults around. It's like, (laughs) at least grow a brain. Um, 
Do not be anxious about anything. So that's a command. I am not allowed. You are not allowed to be anxious as a believer. Truly, if we look at it that way, and of course the enemy will try to hit you with that, but if you look at it that way, the reason that that's the case is because it's like me saying, I need to do some worrying because I truly don't believe that the Lord can take care of me. Think about that. I need to do some worrying. I need to do some plan B set up because I don't believe the Lord can take care of me. No, I'm not going to be anxious. I'm going to obey this command from the Holy Ghost. Don't be anxious about anything. Get Brando out too. I don't know if it's Marlon Brando or whoever it is. Get him out. Do not be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So there it is. So what do you do? What do you do? Instead of being anxious, but instead of that, in everything by prayer, there it is, and supplication, which is a type of prayer, type of prayer, asking to be supplied with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So there it is. Number one, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. So the power of prayer. So if you're dealing with, if you're dealing with that discouragement, if you're dealing with that anxiety, if you're dealing with that heaviness, the Holy Ghost said through the Apostle Paul, refuse anxiety, refuse to be anxious, and instead, in everything, by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, verse 7 reveals to you the power of that process. You ready? Verse 7, and the peace of God, glory, which surpasses all understanding, thank you, Jesus, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let, let, let me hit that again. Notice, here's the outcome now. You refuse to be anxious, but instead you pray, you ask God for what you need, and then you thank him. Those are the three things. You pray, you ask God for what you need, and then you thank him, according to Paul's writing here by the Holy Ghost. And then when you've done that, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I like that. So, so look at this now. It's a guard at your heart. It's a guard at your heart. So like when you pray, when you ask, and when you um, thank God for what he's about to do, it's like God placing a guard at the door of your heart and not allowing discouragement in and not allowing heaviness in and not allowing anxiety in. It's a supernatural transaction. See, this is what we got to get. This is a supernatural transaction by the power of the Holy Ghost that when those things try to come on you, begin to pray, begin to pray. And as you do, what's going to happen? There's a guard, a peace hits you that goes beyond natural understanding. You say, what does that mean? It means anybody can be peaceful when everything looks peaceful. Anybody can do that. Sinners can do that. Anybody can make that happen. It's not a miracle to have peace when it's peaceful all around you. It's a miracle to have peace when everything looks uncertain, when everything looks like you don't know how it's going to work out, when everything looks like 
Uh, you know, it, it, it's I'm, I'm on shaky ground right now. I, I, unforeseeable, unforeseeable future right now. But then you lay your head on the pillow and go straight to sleep. <clears throat> Glory to God. And go straight to sleep and not lose any sleep. Not lose any sleep. Amen. And then you, you wake up rested, ready to take the day and not worried about, uh, you know, what it looks like in the natural realm. Why? Because you've prayed and you've asked the Lord for what you need and you've thanked him for what you need. And then a supernatural transaction happens. When you do your part, God's going to do his part. What's his part? I'm now going to send a guard for your heart, the peace of God. Hallelujah. It, and, and it goes beyond natural understanding. There will be people that won't even understand why in the world, how in the world are you so peaceful? How in the world are you so joyful? I, I, I can't, I don't, I don't understand. <clears throat> it makes no sense to me. And as Caitlin said in the comments, it is very much like Jesus on the boat to have peace in the storm. He slept through the storm because he already had declared what was going to come to pass. He'd already spoken. Let us pass over to the other side. Hallelujah. You're going to make it. I said, you're going to make it in Jesus name. Don't doubt the, the power of God working on your uh, behalf. You're going to make it in the name of Jesus Christ. You will make it in the name of Jesus Christ. And so here, the peace of God comes, not randomly, after you've prayed. So I want you to put this in the comments. Prayer provokes God's peace. Prayer provokes God's peace. Thank you, Jesus. I was um, listening to Brother Hagin teach uh, a little bit back, and he was talking about that, how he, had, he, had, he was in a situation where it was looking for him <laughs> very, very rough. You know, he, he, he needed to provide for his family, and it didn't look like anything was going to be available. I mean, he was just uh, in a place, <clears throat> you know, shortly after, uh, the depression. And of course you go into the world wars and, uh, you know, it was just in a, a rough time in his ministry. And so he's sit, sitting there thinking, and he said, man, I'm believing for these revivals to take off. And he said, they weren't taken off. He said, I'd go into these churches. And, um, he said, man, I did everything I, I knew to do. He says out up and down the aisles. I was preaching. He said, I'd go in, I'd fast the whole time. I was doing all these different things. And he said, you know, it was really me doing it out of worry it was me doing it out of fear, not, not out of faith, but said, I, I need help. I need God. And just literally doing that. And he said, nothing changed. He said that the revivals didn't grow. Nothing worked out. He said, so I just made up my mind. He said, I told the Lord, no, I refuse to worry about this. I refuse to worry about it. He said, I'm not going to. He said, I'll tell you what, Lord, I've been fasting. I'm not going to miss another meal. I'm not going to miss one more meal. He said, not only that, I'm not going to lose a wink of sleep over this issue. I'm not going to miss another meal and I'm not going to miss another wink of sleep. He said, now I'm not, he said, I'm doing my normal praying. Of course, we always pray every day. We read the word every day. He said, but I'm not launching in to some, uh, um, over overly, um, you know, set up prayer service that's all extra because I'm in a place of fear. Nope. He said, I'm going to pray and fellowship with you like I normally do every day. I'm not missing another meal. I'm not missing a wink of sleep. And I'm just going to cast all my cares upon you. 
I'm going to let you do it. Take care of me. And so he said, when I made up my mind, excuse me, he said, when I made up my mind to refuse to worry, I will, I refuse to worry. He said, I came back that next night and he said, that place took off in revival. He said, the, the people came in, started packing the church. He said, stayed for week after week, people getting saved, people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. He said, I refuse to worry. All that he was believing for, all that he needed came in for his family. He said, I had to make the choice. I had to make the decision to refuse. I refuse. I'm not missing a meal. I'm not missing a wink of sleep. I'm not doing anything extra. I'm not going in by fear and trying to make it work. Lord, I'm casting all my care. You know what that is? That's a decision. That's a decision to say, Lord, I trust you. I believe you. And I will not be anxious about anything. That's a command from the Holy Ghost. And he said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be anxious about anything, not anything, glory to God, not anything. Thank you, Jesus. See, and it's a decision you have to make. So when you pray, when you pray, now we're talking about praying in your known language. We're talking about praying. If you speak English, praying in English, telling God what you need, telling God what you're believing for, thanking him that he's able to do it. And uh, not just thanking him that he's able But the Bible says he's able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that you can ask or think. So he's not just able to do the thing. He goes far beyond what you need, far beyond what you need. And so when we pray in our our known language, pray in English if you speak English, uh, you're telling God, you're explaining, Lord, I trust you. I'm thanking you for your power, your ability. In fact, if you've read uh, even my book on prayer and fasting, uh, we talked about the fact that um, we'll do something called a Thanksgiving and praise sandwich. Hey, Ben Fraley, this is going to touch you this week, man. Join me for this. Um, we called it a Thanksgiving and praise sandwich. You say, what does that mean? Well, it's just a decision I made that I'm going to sandwich all of my prayers, my requests that I'm making known unto God. I'm sandwiching that between I said, if you imagined all the prayer in the middle as the the meat and the cheese and lettuce and tomato, then the bread on either side of that sandwich is going to be thanksgiving and praise on both sides. When I start my time of prayer, I start by thanking and praising God for what he's already done. Hallelujah. For what he's already done. But then I ask God for what I need. I'm praying kingdom prayers. I'm doing all that that I need to do. But then as I'm finishing up my prayer time, I'm going right back in again to Thanksgiving and, and, and praise. It's a Thanksgiving and praise sandwich. Why? Because I'm sandwiching it. That's what the Bible says here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving. So I start, I'll thank him for what he has done and at the end for what he's going to do. Past, present, future. All the time. Past, present, future. I'm telling you, include that in, in your prayer life. Include that. I honestly believe, and and we'll get deeper into this more as we go through the week, because this week, I'm telling you, this is a turnaround week for somebody. Um, We'll see this working in our lives, but thanksgiving and praise, which we'll deal with in depth on another day, it provokes God to action. It provokes God to action. So that's why I don't, it's not optional for me, man. I'm including it twice in every prayer session, twice at the beginning Thank you, Lord. It's like Psalm 150. 
thank and praise him for his mighty acts of greatness. Glory to God. Well, those are the things I've already seen him do. Those are the things that I've already seen him uh, bring to pass in my life and my family. Oh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I am thankful. Amen, Yadira. I am thankful. You know what it is? You ever done something for somebody before and they never even bothered to say thank you for what you did for them? I mean, it almost makes you feel like, man, they don't even appreciate it. I don't, I don't even feel like doing anything else for them ever again. <laughs> you know, in your flesh, you feel that way because uh, when somebody's unthankful, it actually repels uh, favor from their life. Uh, nobody wants to do them a favor. Nobody wants to help them with anything. I mean, people don't even want to hold the door open for you. You walk right through like you should have been holding that for me. I, it makes me want, not even want to hold it. No, no, thank, no thankfulness. And, and the same is true. I'm not going to let God do all these powerful, wonderful things in my life and my family and then not thank him. Oh, no, I'm going to thank him. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to praise him because he's worthy of all my thanks, all my praise, all the honor. And so I'm not just going to pray. I'm going to come into his gates with thanksgiving. I'm going to come into his courts with praise. See, there's something to that as we pray. You know, you don't just barge into the king's chamber and start making demands. <laughs> Amen. They didn't do that back then. Nobody would do that now. Uh, there's protocol. And God set up his own protocol, right? He said, no, come into my gates with thanksgiving. Come into my courts with praise. See, the Holy of Holies there in the center, that's the most holy place where the miracle power of God is. But notice, you didn't just run right in there. No, no. You come into the outer part, the gates. You come in there with thanksgiving. And then into the courts, you come in there with praise. So the closer you get in, you see, there's something bringing you closer to God and his power. What is it? Starts with thanksgiving, and then it goes on to praise, and then you get into that mighty presence that's there in the center. Same thing today, even though there's no uh, separated off holy place that only the priest can go, now we're all a kingdom of uh, priests, the Bible says, that we're a peculiar people and the Holy Ghost lives in us. The Holy Ghost, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, but we still approach him the same way. We come into his gates with thanksgiving. We come into his courts with praise. And as we do that, catch this now, as we do that, it provokes God to action in our lives. Again, remember what I'm saying. This is a supernatural transaction. This is a transaction, right? You have a part. God has a part. Glory to God. You have a part. God has a part. And when I do my part, the Lord will do his part. When I do my part, the Lord will do his part. What's his part? Sending his peace, which will guard my heart and my mind. Woo! So let's, 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 uh, let's break that down for a second before we move on to the next thing. Your heart and your mind. Your heart and your mind. So what are we talking about? Spiritually, a lot of times when the Bible is talking about your heart, the heart of the man is the spirit of a man. So it's a spiritual guard, right? Guarding against the spirit of fear. Tries to attack you spiritually, but also guards your mind. Guards your mind. And remember something, 
the Bible says, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak. So if you're constantly receiving that report, filling yourself with discouragement, heaviness, see, the only way you can fill yourself with it if you accept the enemy's report about what's going to happen. That's why there comes a time in every believer's life where you have to say, whose report are you going to believe? Our answer, we will believe the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. We will believe the report of the Lord. So when those reports come, when those lies come, the deception comes, all of that, remember something, I choose to reject that report and believe God's word and thank God for his word and thank God for what he's done and thank God for what he was about to do. Then when I've done my part, notice he's guarding my heart. My heart's not going to be filled with discouragement. My heart's not going to be filled with fear. My heart's not going to be filled with anxiety. My my heart's not going to be filled with that. No, my heart's being guarded by the peace of God. So my heart will be filled with encouragement. My heart will be filled with peace. My heart will be filled with joy. But not just my heart, guards your mind. And many believers need this today, to have their mind guarded by the peace of God. We need it. We need it. Uh, As one said, the mind is the battlefield where all of these things are taking place. Your spirit man cannot be uh, dragged back into unrighteousness by the devil. He doesn't have access to that. Can't possess you, can't destroy your righteousness, can't take you out of covenant with God. Your flesh is something that is always going to need to be kept in check. But your mind, watch now, your mind will either side with your flesh or your spirit. That's why it's the battlefield. That's why it's so important that your mind is guarded by peace, by supernatural peace. So prayer and thanksgiving. Well, flip back with me to 1 Corinthians 14, because this truly is another area here that we have to engage on a daily basis. And I'm going to, I'm going to say it this way. We in 2023, we need to do more of this than we've ever done before. And that is praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. Not just prayer in our known language, praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. Now, I'll tell you this because there are people that they don't understand and they'll think, well, when the Bible says, you know, well, you need to pray in the spirit that that just means your prayer is empowered by the Spirit. That's not what it means. Paul used it synonymously with praying in other tongues. Paul did that in 1 Corinthians 14, I'll show you. But we need to pray in the Holy Ghost. And by that I mean pray in tongues, unknown tongues. If you're new to this channel, we're a Pentecostal ministry. We believe in speaking in tongues, that it's an unknown heavenly language as the Bible teaches. And, uh, and praying in the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And we need to be praying in the Holy Spirit more than we ever have been. If you, now, let me, let's make this change here. If you've not been praying in the Holy Ghost more than ever, it's time to start today. Let today be the day. Praying in the Holy Ghost. You say, why? What's the point of praying in, in a language I don't understand, a heavenly language? Well, I'm going to show you. 1 Corinthians 14, and uh, 
Yeah, that's right. Cameron said, uh, I start my prayer time each day by praying in the Holy Ghost for at least a half hour. It changed my life after I started doing that. Absolutely. Changed my life too. And many people that have employed that, it's changed their life, changed their prayer life and their entire life because it adds something to you that is very important. That's why God gave us the ability to speak in tongues. Look at what it says. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. One who speaks in a tongue, now, now get this, speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Now, I'm not, this is not an apologetics course on speaking in tongues. We did that, and you can uh, get it at Miracle Word University, miraclewordu.com. We have a whole course on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But let me mention something here. It's important. For all these people that say, well, what speaking in tongues really is, is God empowering you to speak a foreign language for the purpose of evangelism or so that someone who's there can hear what you're saying in their known tongue. That's not what Paul says. That's not what the Holy Ghost says. Says the opposite of that. Says the opposite of that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, the Bible says one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. So to, to say that is a direct contradiction of the scripture, the text. Someone who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. It doesn't say the majority of the people in the assembly don't understand him, but the few that are there, that it's their language, they will understand them. And that's why you're speaking in tongues is to give them the gospel in their known language. No, it says the opposite of that. It says one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, and he utters mysteries in the spirit. Again, if you speak Russian, that's not mysteries in the spirit. If you speak Cantonese, that's not mysteries in the spirit. That's, that's not something that no man can understand, and you're speaking directly only to God. That's not what that is. If I, if I speak Hebrew, I'm not speaking mysteries in the spirit. I'm not speaking something only God can understand. But tongues, a heavenly language, according to scripture, according to Paul, who was inspired by the Holy Ghost, is something that only God receives and understands, and you're not speaking to men, and no man will understand you. So that's what speaking in tongues is. And that's a heavenly language. It sounds like gibberish to me. It will sound like gibberish to you, because you don't understand it. In fact, Paul says it even in this chapter. He said, my mind is unfruitful when I pray in tongues. I don't understand what I'm saying. I don't understand what it means. Let me read you this now. Um, verse four now, 1 Corinthians 14, four, Paul tells us what speaking in tongues will do. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but one who prophesies builds up the whole church. Get that now. There's a difference. And of course, he's speaking in regards to a church assembly. That's the context here. The, the full, what do you do when you're in a church service? That's why he says at the beginning, uh, especially I would 
you need to desire that you prophesy. Why? So that when you're in a church service, everyone in the building can be built up, not just you. Because if you speak in tongues with no interpretation, only you will be built up, Paul says. So 1 Corinthians 14, 4, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Now, stop there. If we'll just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost more, what'll it do? It will, by a spiritual power, build ourselves up. The King James says edifies himself, encourages himself in the Lord. So the more I pray in tongues, the more I'm building myself up. The more I pray in tongues, the more I'm edifying myself. What am I doing? Pushing off discouragement, pushing off anxiety, pushing off heaviness. The more I pray in tongues, the more I'm building myself up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The more I pray in tongues, the more you pray in tongues, the more that supernatural encouragement hits you, hits your spirit. Glory to God. Hits your spirit. Now, uh, did you know, according to this uh, same chapter, Paul's dealing with praying in the Holy Ghost. Um, Again, remember that this is in the context of a church assembly, not alone in your prayer time, not in your car, not, not any of that. It's, it's in a church assembly. That's why he's giving these instructions. That's why he says, if you're in a church assembly, verse 13, therefore one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Why? So that again, like, the, like in the beginning, everybody can be edified by that word given to the body, not just you. Amen. And then, no, I'll, I'll come back to that, Griffin. He said, I, I, I feel an ignite, ignited in my spirit when a man of God prays passionately in tongues in a service. Is there a scripture explaining that? We'll come back to it. But I think it's this same, I think that it's this same um, principle that there is something um, about praying in the spirit that has an edifying uh, process to it. And I'm going to take you to another passage that says the same thing. Paula asks the question, does your prayer language change the more you do it? Um, I, all I can tell you is that I've noticed that mine has. I don't know um, where the Bible t- tells you that there's a development in that area, but I've noticed that mine has. Um, look at this now. Paul says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So yeah, people say, sounds like gibberish. You guys are speaking a bunch of gibberish and you call that the Holy Spirit. It may sound like that. Paul said it sounded like that to him. Paul said, yeah, when I do that, my mind is totally unfruitful. I don't get it. I don't understand it. He said, so what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit. He's talking about praying in tongues, but I'll pray with my mind also. He's talking about praying in his known language. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. So he's talking about praying in tongues and praying in his known language, singing in tongues, singing in his known language, right? Otherwise, look at verse 16. If you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. Notice that. So he's saying that uh, praying in tongues can be a form of thanksgiving. 
Now look at that, because we just finished talking about Thanksgiving, and Paul said, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, it could very well be a form of Thanksgiving, it's just that nobody else will understand that you're giving thanks in the church assembly. And then verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, more than all of you. So, but then look what he says in 19, but nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Well, of course, because that's one of the main reasons we're coming to the house of God is to be taught, to be corrected, to be encouraged, right? So what good would it do if I just stood in the pulpit for the full two hours we were at church and just spoke in tongues the whole time? Maybe you'd feel encouraged a little bit. I'd be encouraged, but there'd be no instruction. There'd be no uh, preaching. There'd be no, uh, you know, call to salvation. There'd be no, see what I mean? And so you need to understand that there's a purpose to tongues. And when you're in a, uh, your private prayer time, it's going to encourage your spirit. It's going to encourage your spirit. Um, I would say this, Gina and, and Griffin, <clears throat> looking at Jude verse 20, we know that verse where the Bible says, but you beloved building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that praying in the Holy Spirit can do is build up your faith. It's almost like it stirs your faith up. And it sounds like that's what you're describing, um, that it, it stirs you up, stirs you up, builds you up. Well, that's what the Bible says, is that prayer in the Spirit stirs faith. It doesn't give you more faith. It stirs your faith, builds your faith up. And so it not only encourages your heart, it builds your faith up. Glory to God. Builds your faith up. And so notice, as we're dealing with this uh, total victory over discouragement, total victory over anxiety, total victory over heaviness, what we need to keep in our mind is this. Number one, <clears throat> as we pray in our known language, the transaction takes place and the peace of God guards our hearts. But as we pray in tongues, hallelujah, as we pray in tongues, we encourage ourselves in the Lord. We encourage ourselves in the Lord. We build up our most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. You've probably heard me tell the story. I've had many times where as soon as I start praying in the Holy Ghost, yes, can you talk about, Ben said, can you talk about that when you pray in tongues, you do not need an interpreter. I know people that say every time you pray in tongues, you have to have an interpreter. Not true. It's not true. I'll give you an example of that. We can just see that in biblical narrative, Ben. And I'll explain to you what I mean. Um, if you'll go to Acts chapter 10, uh, when Cornelius' household, the first Gentiles that were ever baptized in the Holy Ghost and saved, they all began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. Who interpreted their tongues? You can read that story in Acts 10, but you'll not find anybody uh, interpreting their tongues. <clears throat> what about Acts 19? Paul is in Ephesus and 12 men get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and begin to speak with other tongues. Who interpreted their tongues? Nobody. In fact, they were all speaking in tongues at the same time. Well, it wasn't a church assembly. It wasn't a church assembly. So those, are, those instructions don't apply because they're just praying in their prayer language. Nobody interpreted. The Bible doesn't tell us one person interpreted what was being said in tongues. Paul says here, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. 
He didn't say, I speak in tongues and interpret more than all of you. But then, he, then he's saying, but except, he said, but however, in church, which means what he's saying is, I'm not doing it in church. I'm doing it privately in my own prayer time. That's what Paul's saying. Nevertheless, in church, that means when I do it more than all of you do it, I'm not doing it in, in a church service. I'm doing it in my own private prayer time. Right. So the instruction is in church. But if you're in your own private prayer time, no, you don't need an interpreter. Again, you're not speaking to any man. You're speaking to the Lord. Now, <clears throat> I've had times where, uh, and, and I do want to put this in perspective because there is a difference between praying in the spirit and the gift of the spirit of tongues and interpretation. So I've been praying before, even alone, and I'll pray in the spirit and then I'll get the interpretation of what I prayed. So it was something actually for me, it was a gift of the spirit in operation, tongues with interpretation. There was something the Lord wanted me to receive. And so by tongues and interpretation, I received it. But then there's been many other times, today included, that I just pray in the Holy Ghost because I'm speaking mysteries in the spirit, the Bible says, not speaking to men, but unto God. That's what we all need to do more of because what's taking place? We are by praying in the Holy Ghost, stirring up our spirits, driving out discouragement, driving out anxiety, driving out heaviness. And let me tell you, it's like it, it's like it lifts you to another place. That's the Bible says. That's not my opinion. That's the Holy Ghost speaking through the Apostle Paul. And, and uh, if you go back, <clears throat> because it's not just Paul, but if you go back and read what I just read to you, in, and of course there's only one chapter, but the 20th verse of uh, Jude, right before the book of Revelation, if you've never seen that before, Jude's letter, that 20th verse says, building up yourselves in your most holy faith. So Paul says it encourages you. It's you giving thanks. It's you uttering mysteries in the spirit. It's you edifying yourself in the Lord. But then Jude says, you're also building up your most holy faith. So it has a supernatural power attached to it as you do it. So it's a weapon. Truly, it's a tool from heaven. Why would we not use it far more often than we do? I can remember being, uh, hearing stories, you know, being, even being around Brother Hagin uh, at school. And uh, I'd hear even teachers, instructors tell us, oh, Brother Hagin, if he's, if he's in a, a car ride even with you, and he's riding in the car, you know, you, he doesn't speak a whole lot. You know, he's, he's kind of more quiet. That's what they would say of him back then. He's more introverted. But if, you, if you're riding in the car with him, he's just sitting there quietly, but you can hear him even under his breath. He's praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. And if he's walking across the campus, you might find him walking across the campus with his Bible headed somewhere else and he's praying in tongues. And the more you see him, he's just praying in tongues. As he, what is he doing? Fellowshipping with God, stirring his spirit up, building his spirit up. And I'm telling you, I would not at all say that it would be wrong. In fact, I think it would be very right if we all took that same step that Cameron said he took to begin our day praying in the Holy Ghost for an extended period of time. Because every day as the enemy tries to come against you, bring discouragement. What did I read at the very beginning? The cares of this world. That's what we're facing every day. At work, news, social media feeds, everything we're seeing, culture, government, all of that. All of it. 
The enemy tries to use it to bring heaviness, anxiety, discouragement. Well, Jesus said that it becomes like thorns that choke out God's word so it can't produce fruit. I refuse to be that person. You have to make up your mind. I refuse to be that person in Jesus' name. I'm walking in a divine encouragement. I'm walking in divine joy. I'm walking in divine peace. How do I get there? One of the ways, and that's why I'm dealing with this first, and this is such a quick thing we can do, is begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Begin to pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. If you got time, listen, don't waste your time. As the Bible says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Instead of um, doing things that really don't add anything to you, you know, you might commute to work. I read a statistic one time and um, it blew my mind because it said that the average American spends about 40 hours a year in commute to and from work in their car. That's a full work week in your vehicle. And I always told people, can you imagine if you use that 40 hours to pray in the Holy Ghost, like turn off the morning show, turn off the rush hour show, turn off the podcast and turn off the music. And what if you just drove those 40 hours praying in the Holy Ghost? Imagine the edification, imagine the encouragement, imagine that spirit of victory that would come upon you, hallelujah, as you just prayed in the Holy Ghost. And yeah, Elizabeth said, I pray a lot in the car. Yeah, it's a great place to pray because if you're in the car all the time, I mean, imagine that uninterrupted prayer time, uninterrupted Holy Ghost time. And you know, you could throw some worship music on in the background, but then just go in on praying in the Holy Spirit. Go in praying in tongues. And by the time you get to work, you're so stirred up in your spirit, you're ready for the day. By the time you get to work, you're so encouraged, you're coming in on another level. (laughs) You're walking into the office on a whole, people like, what in the world got into you? Yeah, I just stirred myself up all the way to work. I just encouraged myself on the drive all the way here. I'm stepping out filled with a faith that has been built up. My most holy faith has been built up. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, if we would give ourselves, oh, I agree. Catherine said most of those morning shows usher people into sinful mindsets for the day. It's, and it's all nonsense. And it's all, you know, it's like drivel. It's b- background drivel. But <clears throat> let me say this. Uh, this will be the last verse that I give you. Ephesians And I want you to write it down. Ephesians chapter six, uh, we read about the armor of God, but after we read about putting on the whole armor of God, look what Paul says at the end. He said, uh, verse 18, and praying at all times in the spirit. There it is again. Praying at all times. In the spirit. Now, again, when Paul says praying in the spirit, we know from his other letters, he's referring to praying in tongues. That's what he's talking about. Because truly all prayer would be prayer in the spirit, if that's what you're saying. Because God hears every prayer. The Holy Spirit lives in you. 
So every prayer you pray would be a, a if you, the way these other people argue, well, it just means being praying empowered by the spirit. All your prayers are empowered by the spirit, whether they're in English or not. But he's talking here specifically about praying in tongues, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And then, and then he says, and pray for me that words may be given to me for opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So notice here it is, here it is praying at all times in the spirit. So again, according to the Holy Spirit and the apostle Paul, it's not enough just to put on the full armor of God. There was something additional. Yes, put on the full armor. Yes, take up the shield of faith. Yes, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But also praying at all times in the spirit. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. With all prayer and supplication. All prayer. One, one uh, uh, way of looking at that or one way of looking at that rendering with all kinds of prayer. Brother Hagin used to teach on that. All kinds of prayer. But we're pressing in with all prayer. So let me encourage you, and I'm going to pray for you here at the end of this, but listen to me. We're imparting the gift of faith to you here. We're going to have total victory over discouragement, over anxiety, over heaviness. It's not going to come upon you. It's not going to attack and stay on you. You're not going to live with that day after day, lose sleep over it, always be wondering, how am I going to make it? You're going to make it in Jesus' name because God's on your side. He's the one that raised you up. He's the one that called you. He's the one that purposed you. He's the one that anointed you. You're in his kingdom. You're part of Christ's body. You're not going to fail. You're not going to fail in Jesus' name. You're going to do what God called you to do. So we're praying in the Holy Ghost. And so as we pray in the Holy Ghost, glory, victory, a spirit of victory, a spirit of faith is coming upon you. Spirit of faith is coming upon you. Hallelujah. A spirit of faith is coming upon you. And so I want you to receive this today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we already have had people write in. I need you. This word is for me. I need you to pray for me. I'm praying for you now. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I take authority over that lying spirit of discouragement. I take authority over that uh, lying spirit of fear that lying spirit of heaviness and depression. I take authority over it in the name of Jesus Christ. And today on this broadcast, I loose the gift of faith. Lord, even as I'm teaching and as as this word's coming into their heart, even people on the replay, even people on the podcast, this word is coming into their heart. I thank you now that the gift of faith is being deposited into their spirit in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you're leaving here today encouraged. You're leaving here today supernaturally transformed. You're being built up by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I loose a mighty spirit of faith and encouragement that comes through your word. I loose the spirit of joy, the anointing of joy, hallelujah. I loose the spirit of peace that passes all understanding to your people today. And Lord, whatever filthy lies the devil has sent against their mind from this day 
they break off in Jesus' name. We refuse to receive the report of the devil. We refuse to receive the report of this world system. We refuse to receive the report of the antichrist system. We receive the report of the Lord. And the report of the Lord says that if God is for us, tell me who can be against us. God's report says our bodies are healed. The word of the Lord says that joy is ours. Peace is ours. Faith is ours. And so in the name of Jesus, we thank you now that every person that's on this broadcast, those that are listening later, those that are on the pot, they're leaving today with a mighty spirit of faith. We have that same spirit of faith. We believe, therefore we speak. Glory to God. We believe, therefore we speak. Now just begin to do it right where you're at. Take the next few minutes and just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Koshte brava roto, rengidia prosta karatiada. Brodoshte marando reketia, brovra mati kebro boshata kahaye. Rembende vushayo brezdije vrafastano, mayegriande vravastaye. Prasho do rakande kria, rebeshto koriama legia vrosta katike mbrayo. Breve jesuko talamba krije brafota kai, rebostonde kia. Levro toro koste madike, maraye brazo toro kostemi, bavrate kibro bostandaka, redo shema mastegiato, rova barekidish, katema la costa, rebandoze kivrianda dambrocoli, rembendusha katala, brocovra vastesia cabrevige zingrode do costi, rebendike malabro dosti, rendia brocola bacaste and diste, Radesia cracai, marote kifa pasta do gramali, rebenduce cavarasta, rendo brechidi agrastengiam, fotoro coste kehe. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Hallelujah. We give you thanks. There's nobody like you. You are great and greatly to be praised. You are high and lifted up. Your train fills the temple. We thank you, Lord. There's nobody beside you. There's nobody above you. You stand alone in power, glory, strength, and might. You hold the world in your hands, and you uphold the universe by the word of your power. We thank you, Lord, for it. We give you praise today that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus, that the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in us, hallelujah, quickens our mortal bodies, quickens our physical bodies. We thank you, Lord, that every person is being strengthened today. The Victory Tribe is being strengthened today. The Victory Tribe is being strengthened today by the power of the Holy Ghost. We thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory for it. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you honor. Amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.